You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. I want to just pray a blessing over you and then um, let you take off as the Spirit leads you. So, Father, thank you uh, for the gift that we have in uh, Pastor Dale as a friend to me and a friend to our church family. Um, Lord, thank you for making him available this morning and for what you're about to speak and preach through him to us. Help our hearts to be open. Pray, God, that your spirit would remove any hindrances uh, in this room. Um, Lord, we pray that you would come and that you would give healing to the wounded and that you would give strength to the weak and that you would um, draw us to repentance. Help us to see you, Jesus, as uh, the only thing that we need, the satisfier of thirsty souls. We pray that you would do that this morning through Dale, that you would just give him a special anointing and, and protect him. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Morning. good to be back with you, the well. It was almost exactly a year ago that I had the privilege of sharing with you. <coughs> you remember, I don't know if you remember when you were little kids, uh, some of you know, there's the church, there's the steeple, open the door, and there's the people, because the church is the people, not the building, it's the people. And so I had a chance to meet with you, who are the church the gathered assembly called the well a year ago, and you were meeting at the Y at that time, and uh, just kind of kicking off, had just kicked off a series in Ephesians. Uh, Joe's doing much better than I ever did. I started a series through Ephesians one time, got up through about the fourth chapter after about two years. People were getting tired of turning in their Bibles to Ephesians, so we abandoned it and went somewhere else. But anyway, uh, it's good to be back with you. Um, And isn't it great what God's provided here for you, huh? Yeah, and this building you're setting in is just a, a tool. Right. It's just a place. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and we celebrate the tool that God has provided for you here. And uh, yeah, I had a chance to come here. And uh, interesting how God works and moves, isn't it, huh? Uh, just don't get me off on that. But uh, for, yeah, for 23 different years, my path found its way over here when I first started coming here. My office was back over here, just, well, no, wasn't even, see that beam right there? That's where the auditorium used to end. And the back wall of the auditorium was the back wall of the kitchen and the back wall over there. Uh, and that was the auditorium at that time. Uh, and uh, uh, my kids would, t- if they were here, adult children would tell you, they remember the day uh, when uh, this had been added, the work had pretty well had been done. Uh, the, they left that wall there just kind of standing there until the, the day, and then one day at the end of service, a bunch of guys came up and knocked the wall down. Uh, and uh, so that was a fun day. But anyway, um, just a place. But the place where that body that I had a chance to work with uh, gathered. There's been a couple of different other groups that have gathered here at different times. But um, for this season, 
God has opened the door for you to be here. And I'm thrilled. And great to have a chance to be here on this. I think this is your second Sunday here? Yeah. Well, uh, one Sunday I got up to share a message right in this room. Uh, uh, we used to have kind of, oftentimes we put the, the, the platform over on that side, kind of fan out this way. I think I was preaching from over there, if I remember right. And I'll try not to set off the rice over here. Anyway, uh, I got to preach. And when I got to preach that day, there was a young lady out in the uh, auditorium that began to do something. And uh, I wasn't really aware of what she was doing. She probably wasn't really much aware of what I was doing. But anyway, when I started, <laughs> she was kind of up there elementary school sort of age of the age she was, elementary school. And so anyway, she was doing that the whole time. Uh, she was doing something the whole time I was sharing. And uh, uh, I'll never forget the day she, that day because she buzzed up to me as soon as I finished. And uh, she asked me a question that uh, I still remember to this day. Um, she asked me this question. She asked me if I'd like to see how long I talked that day. I looked at her like, what? She like, let's see how long I talked that day. Well, this is what she had done. She had taken some yarn. She had taken a crochet hook. And when I started talking, she started crocheting. And when I finished, she finished. You're wondering how fast she could crochet. Uh, <laughs> but this has come through the years to represent to me much more than just how long I could talk on a particular day. This has come to represent a timeline, uh, to represent so much. Uh, let's say it represents the timeline of our service today, when our service at Davie uh, begins, when it ends. Well, then you would hope then we're halfway through or so, maybe moving towards halfway through. You may be hoping towards the end. Anyway, hope on. Anyway, <laughs> uh, or let's say that this is, uh, this is our day, uh, the 23rd day of September, the first full day of fall. Uh, so if that's the, we're measuring the day, then we're still in the first half of the day. Let's say we are measuring the week. Well, we're right at the front of the week. Let's say we're measuring the month. Well, we're past halfway in the month. We just mentioned the season, the season of fall. If we talk about season of fall begins, it's going to end in December sometime. Well, we're just right at the very, very, very beginning of that. Let's say it's... Uh, it's, it's the year. Well, we're, we're past, believe it or not, we're past halfway. We're into the fall. We're moving towards the end of the year, towards Christmas. I've got your list together. What do you want for, no, anyway. Uh, uh, let's say, kind of like a helicopter going, let, let's say this represents uh, your life. Let's say this represents your life. All of us had a birthday. All of us that had a birthday physically will have a death day. Um, where are we on that whole spectrum? None of us know, do we? None of us know. Let's take it up one more notch. Let's say this is th this is all of all of time. When God, from when God started time to when one day He's going to end time. Again, we don't know where we are on that whole process. I do know that we uh, are a day closer to when he's going to end time than when we were yesterday. I got that much figured out. 
But if you stop and think about um, our, even our lifetime, compared to all of human history, all of, all of, all of time history, if you think about our lifetime, then, then, our, then our life doesn't even hardly measure a, a little piece of this, does it? And if you break that down to our service today, this time frame that we're here, an hour, hour and a half, then it's not even, it's not even hardly a microscopic fuzz on this whole spectrum, uh, if this is all of recorded time. But friends, what we celebrate today, what we celebrate today is that God who is beyond time has invaded time and can make an eternal difference in a fuzz of time. Wow. God Almighty is here. Are we ready to let him make that work in our lives today? Oh, how precious is time. God is here. God is here. Are you ready to let him work in your life today? Are you willing to let him work in your life today? Whenever I do that I just shared with you, it's important for me to do that. It, it's it, it, it's the preciousness of time. You know, uh, in, a, in a basketball game, you get fouled at the front of the game, front end of the game, you go up, shoot your three throws, no big deal. You get towards the end of the game, time is running down, you're down by two, you get fouled, throwing up a three-pointer. It misses the backboard, misses everything, but you're fouled. You go to the three-throw line, you're going to shoot three, 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 three throws. You make all three, you win. You make two of the three, you're going into overtime. You miss two of the three, game's over, you lose. How do you feel then? Sometimes when we're young, we feel like, oh, what's the big deal? I just got another day. Our hair gets a little grayer. One of my brother and friend over there. You begin to wear how precious the moments are, don't you, huh? Please, these moments that we have, these moments that you have a chance to use this as a base of ministry to those south of the tracks and beyond, these are precious moments, treasured moments. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 Live as wise, not as unwise, making the most of every opportunity, every fuzz of time. Let's make the most of it. Let's make the most of it. And so, um, as we sit as in, in, in Him, accepted, important, safe, as we walk in Him, as we take battle against that which battles against us in Him. And that's what the whole book of Ephesians is about, which is really the core of the gospel, of the good news, of, of what the book is about. Then as we do that, then we are taking advantage of every opportunity. And so as this book continues to be unfolded for you, through your pastor and others that might stand here. Listen, absorb, listen, engage with the Spirit of God who is here. And in doing so, you will take 
full advantage of every fuzz of time. There are moments that we have that changes a lot of things, aren't there? Just a little moment. And sometimes we aren't aware of how important that moment is until we look back on it. Huh? Let me tell you about a moment that changed so much in my life, and I wasn't even aware of it at the moment. But let me tell you about it. Uh, I was uh, uh, fairly new here as a pastor. I was a young pastor, never thought I'd be the pastor of a church, never intended to be the pastor of a church. I'd been on staff of a church in Lincoln, loved it there, thought we'd be there forever. But you know, God has a way of surprise. Opened the door and booted us through it to come out here and pastor a, a new congregation that had just started within the last year or two before I came. Um, and uh, so one day, uh, the ladies were getting together to study the Word of God. And so um, they had someone lined up to watch the kids. And my wife and I remember this story differently. Uh, the, well, the, la- the lady who was lined up to watch the kids, now the, it was school time, so the school-age kids were in school. These were the little rugrats. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and so the lady that was, and so my wife uh, remembers and that I volunteered to watch the kids that day. What I remember was I got volunteered to watch the kids that day. Now, again, the building was from there back. Upstairs was churchified. There were actually pews in the building at that time. Uh, and it was very, okay. Uh, but downstairs at that time, think about the building from there on. You go down the stairs here, all that wasn't here. Just that. It was wide open. No walls. The, the, the cinder block walls weren't painted. It was just cinder block walls. Uh, but what had been done down on that end of it, uh, that someone had taken uh, some wire and strung from one side to the other. Because uh, I think this, it wasn't quite as wide down there. I think there was a furnace room down there. But anyway, uh, so it wasn't quite as And so strung that down and put some old rug or, some, or uh, sheets across there or something. Uh, had taken uh, on the one side of that, had taken and put a, a, a throw rug. People donated toys to be down there, and that was kind of the nursery kind of where we put the kids. And so that's where they put the kids with me. I didn't know what I was doing. I was barely a dad myself. And, and, and so I, I didn't know what to do. The, the, in the study, of course, the ladies were engaged in study. They weren't thinking about the poor pastor downstairs. And so I didn't know, and I was trying to do my best with them and trying to keep them corralled. And the more the time went by, the more loose ends they got, the more loose ends I got. I felt like they were climbing the walls. I didn't know what to do. And so I, I, I was looking. I was desperate. And so I was going to anything. And so I, among the, the discarded toys there, I found this friend. What? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you how we first met. What? Well, yeah, I know you're shy. I know you're shy, but, but I sure would like for you to turn around and get what? Would you please? Would you please? What? You're, you're afraid they're going to hurt you? No, they're great. I, they've been super to me. What? Huh? You'll take a peek? Okay, take a peek. It says most of you look okay. <laughs> He's a little bit worried about the bearded one over here. 
he's okay. He's he's really he's not not as fierce as he looks. Like okay, says he'll turn around and, and say, Sammy Sheep." And I'm shy. I know you're shy. I know you're shy. But what have you learned it's important for a sheep to be? Oh, yeah. Be smart enough to know we're not smart enough. And? Oh, be smart enough to know we're not strong enough. And? Oh, oh yeah. Be smart enough to know who is. Well, who is? Well, well the good shepherd, silly. So... What does a good she- what, what does a sheep need to do? Oh yeah, we make sure the good shepherd is our shepherd. And then what? Well, we look to lean on and follow the shepherd. How about finding the best grass? Look to lean on, follow the shepherd. How about finding the best water to drink? Look to lean on, follow the shepherd. How about finding a path in a way you've never been before? Look to lean on, follow the shepherd. How about when wild animals come up? Look to lean on, follow the shepherd. <laughs> I'm not a ventriloquist. (laughs) It's obviously me doing the talking. But in that moment of time, in that day, you know what I learned? Kids don't care. Kids don't care. They started sitting down, climbing off the walls, sitting clothed in their right mind. (laughs) Engaged with what I was doing with. And I found a wonderful tool to help share the story. And um, that changed so much. See my office across the way, which is a whole other story. I have an office over with Marion's Hope, and it's got a bunch of... But really, Joe shares the message powerfully here, breaks it forth, Exposits the word of God. There's a great job. But you know, it really can't be said much more eloquently than my friend Sammy just said it. What is it to be filled with the Spirit of God? Well, first you need to make sure the good shepherd is your shepherd. Having done that, then you need to be smart enough. No, you're not smart enough. Smart enough to know you're not, and smart enough to know who is. And day by day by day, we look to, lean on, and follow the shepherd. That's it. He's talking to you and breaking out some of those passages. has been some about husbands and wives. Not that any of us need instructions on that. <laughs> <coughs> But husbands, if we would just look to, lean on, and follow the good shepherd, our wives would have the sort of husbands that God wants us to be. Same for you, ladies. It boils it down. I could probably quit there, but I'm not. But I'll not say anything more profound today than I just sat through saying. I am... Love this book. I'm a story guy. My passion is story. 
has been since I was a little kid. My dad was a storyteller. He'd come in at night and tell a story, leave us in an exciting part, and I had trouble going to sleep because I couldn't wait till the next night. I love stories. Everyone since I was a little kid, I'd be walking across town from one place to another in my small county seat town I grew up to in in Missouri. My mom would pick, I remember one time she came across town, she, she happened to where I was, so she asked me in the car, she says, who were you talking to? I'd been telling myself a story. I've always loved story. And I woke up one day to the reality that this book is a story book. It is one story, 66 different books, but one unfolding story. From when God began to when God's going, it's one unfolding story. A story of creation, of relationship lost, of God beginning to move to make a way for that relationship to be reestablished. That relationship indeed being made to be reestablished in the Gospels. And then how that to be lived out through the rest of the story. And then in Revelation, how that story is going to wrap up. It's one story though. But this one story is filled with stories all, made to, all, all meant to make a difference with our stories. And so I love to dive into stories from this book and to present and represent those stories. And God has led me in a variety of ways to do that. But one of the ways he's led me to do that is to step into a story, into a character from a story, and then become that character with the help of your imagination. You know, God gave us imagination. Did you know that? And like anything else, it can be vandalized and used to ill effect. But God gave us imagination. Let's pray that he uses those imaginations in these next few moments. As I want to, as I feel that the Spirit of God has led me into, as I'm looking, trying to look to lean on and follow, because I'm tell you, I'm, I want to be smart enough to know that I'm not smart enough, strong enough. Because he's led me to a story. It's one of my favorite little stories in the Gospels. It's found in three different places. Matthew 20, Mark 10, Luke 18. You can look it up sometime. Kind of piece them together. and Different eyewitnesses kind of tell little different angles on this particular story. But I want to I become a character that we meet in that story. And I would like to share this story as if that person's here with you telling you that story today. Now let me tell you up front. Um, in, the, in, in the tradition of, uh, of a Lloyd Douglas or a Lou Wallace, with my imagination, I will add a little bit to what we know, what we find in Scripture in the story. Not to take away from that story, but to help highlight that story. I will take in my imagination a little bit further than when the curtain closes on the story here. Uh, who's this Lloyd Douglas guy? He wrote a book several years ago. You may have heard about Some of you have heard about it called The Robe. Uh, he also had another book called The Great Fisherman. Both of those were made into movies somewhere along the way. Um, Lou Wallace. Uh, in the 1800s, he wrote a little book called uh, Ben-Hur. Uh, Stories where fiction is used and tied in with the story, not to take away from the story, but to highlight the story. And so, just I want to let you know that right up front. So I'm going to step into this character, 
will tell you his story as I imagine it to be. Once I step out of this, I want to tr- I'll make very clear to you what I've added. Many of you know this story, you'll know what I've added. But I want to make very clear what I've added uh, and why. Uh, but I don't have any fancy costumes uh, or robes or anything today. Uh, the only little prop I want to use to help me step into this character is this little set of glasses, okay? So uh, I'll slip these on. I'll slip into the character that is found on the pages of those Matthew 20, Mark 10, Luke 18. He just wants to quickly tell you his story, and then we'll wrap things up. Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, help me. Hands started to push me down. I was, I was fighting to get to my feet. I was on my knees. I was fighting to get up, but they kept trying to push me down. Voices saying, be quiet, don't bother him. Imagine you're in a deep, dark hole, so deep you can't get out. You've tried again and again and again and again. You've tried, and so dark you, you, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. And then you hear footsteps. Someone's walking across up to the top of that hole, and you've been led to believe whoever that person is has something long enough that reaches down to pull you out. What do you do? Just sit down and let them meekly go by? My deep, dark hole was my blindness. They say I was born seeing, but, but then the fever came. When the fever had left, so had my sight. I was so young, I don't even remember that. I just remember darkness. That's all I grew up with. My, 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 my siblings, my family, my friends, they talked about sight and light and colors. and I can only imagine as I grew to be a man, the only thing I could do to eke out some sort of livelihood uh, was to beg. Please help the blind beggar. Please, please help the blind beggar. My eyes didn't work, but my ears did. Began to hear stories of this man of God going about the countryside, doing amazing miracles. They said lame legs were being made to work. Deaf ears were being made to hear. Blind eyes were being made to see. So I began to beg God. Please, let him come by my way, please, please. I'll never forget that day. I was begging in one of my favorite places to beg (laughs) with a good fellow beggar, blind beggar friend of mine. We were talking and sharing, and a lot of our talk and sharing honestly had to do with this guy we'd been hearing about, hoping and praying that he'd come by our way. And that's when we sensed them, (laughs) smelled them, a big crowd was (laughs) a-coming. I almost hate to admit it. First thing I thought about, big crowd. Maybe I can get some money out of them. They hit both of us at the same time. They said big crowds followed him wherever he went. And so we asked some of the first ones by. Yes, yes, he was there. And that's what it set us out yelling and screaming, fighting to get up. Jesus, son of David. And that's when the hands pushed us to keep us down. Voices telling us to be quiet. Did we be quiet? Did we quit trying to get up? No, we got louder. Jesus, son of David, over here. And he got really quiet. <laughs> and then one said, he wants to see you. What? He wants to see you. I got on up to my feet. I took off that which marked me as an official beggar, hoping never to need them ever again. Okay, someone led me a few steps, and then they stepped away. And then out of the darkness, 
A voice spoke, asking me a question. What do you want? I want. I said, my blind beggar friend and I, we both said at the same time, I want to see. And then I felt fingertips on my eyes. And that voice spoke again. Your faith has healed you. Let me see. And he moved his fingertips. And I opened. Opened my eye. Oh, that's bright. That, 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 that's bright. Light. Dust. Fly. <laughs> Get you. Messiah. He smiled and just started to go, and I started following. <laughs> Hadn't gone very far, and he stopped me. He started talking to a. It was a tree. I felt lots of them before. Never seen one. He was talking to a tree. No, he wasn't talking to a tree. He was talking to a. Oh, there, there was a guy up the tree. He called that guy down and went off with him to his house. And I wasn't invited in. I didn't want to go very far from where he was, so I stayed right there near. But he could take as long as he wanted because you see, I I had a whole world to explore. Don't you see? I mean, I mean, flowers, flowers. I mean, I. I had smelt a flower, felt flower, but see a flower. Sky blue. Everything was new. People. <laughs> I had felt faces before. <laughs> I'd never seen one. Noses were particularly interesting to me. <laughs> but the whole world, I just, it was so, and then, and then, and then before I knew it, he was out, and, 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 and we were traveling on, to, I just didn't want to miss, and we were traveling through it. Uh, they said, what are you looking at? I said, it's beautiful. He says, it's, they said, it's just, it's just wilderness. I said, it's the most beautiful wilderness I've ever seen. Every once in a while, I just closed my eyes and, and then I could, I, I could place where I was. We were going from my town, Jericho, up to the city. I had felt this region. I had smelt this region. But now I was seeing it. We got to Jerusalem. Before we went in, they, he sent some folks in. They came out with his wild donkey sort of thing. Wild until they put a cloak on him and he got on and settled. Began to go into the city. Began, people began to notice who he was. People began to take down leaves off the trees, put them down in front of him, cloaks down in front of him. Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David. Yes, they were calling him to be who I was sure he was. Messiah, hadn't he delivered me from my darkness, my blindness? And then he went to the temple. Whoa, he went to the temple. Started overturning the tables and all the things I saw that day. And the next days after that, the things he said... He said, but only a few short days after that wonderful entry, he was taken away. The next time we saw him, he had been beat on, spit on, his flesh ripped apart. They led him outside the city. They nailed him up on the cross. For the first time since I got my sight, in the short time I got my sight, I wish I didn't have to see what I was seeing. 
but I couldn't abandon him. He who gave me my sight, I couldn't leave him, so I stayed. And I watched as he struggled, fought, and died. No! No! In those moments, after he was gone, I realized there was still a blindness about me. Not here, but in my heart. There was anger in me. If I could have got those folks and put him on the tree, I'd have nailed them. There was a pity in me. There was a selfness in me. There was a blindness in me. I didn't know what to do about it. Then we were gathered in a room, smaller than this. His, some of his followers and some of us who had been touched and healed by him, afraid they'd come and get us next. And there, without the door even opening up, it's there. At first, I thought my new eyes were playing tricks. I looked around and realized if mine were, everyone else's were too. As he moved among his followers, just breaking bread, eating on some fish, giving out some good man hugs. I knew exactly what I needed. I knew exactly what I needed. And I waited for a moment. I approached him and I said, Jesus, son of David. He smiled big at me like he remembered when I screamed. <laughs> he said, yeah, what do you want? I said, I want to see. My heart is blinded, selfishness. I want to see. He said, that's why he'd come. That's why he'd gone to the cross. To bring sight to blinded hearts. He said, my faith had made me whole. See. Oh! <laughs> what do you suppose I did once I got my physical sight? Do you suppose I got my begging glasses back out and went back to begging even though I could now see? How ridiculous. What do you suppose I did once I, I was given my heart sight? Do you suppose I just chose to exist through life? No. You see, my new friend John said, Jesus himself said he came that we might have life and have it to the full. Well, if that's the way he wanted me to live it, that's the way I wanted to have it. I didn't want to miss a thing he had for me. I wanted to live, I wanted to join him in all that he had for me. That's what I wanted. And what if he had given me a job? What if he had given me a job and said, Bartimaeus, I got a job. Yeah, Jesus, anything. What if he said, I want you to go around the countryside and fly and find blind beggars. Yeah, Jesus, what shall I do when I find them? He said, when you find them, I, I, if you would, you, you can approach them and you can tell them about me and what I've done for you. And even though I'm not physically there with you, if they'll believe in me like you believed in me, you can be there when they get their sight. <laughs> if you give me a job, what do you suppose I'd have done? I'd have gone through the whole countryside just looking everywhere I could go because I'm blind beggars. You understand why, don't you? Because I'd had the best whole news in the whole wide world for them. But he didn't give me that job. He gave me a better one. Not just me, but all who have asked him to give sight to your blinded heart. You know what that job is? Go into all the world and make disciples. You know what that's a fancy way of saying? Go find those who are still blind of heart. Tell them the good news. Show them the good news. And if we're there when 
they believe in heart. We can be there when they come to life. They move from darkness to light. So what have I done? I've done what I've tried to do with you today. Just tell my story, which hopefully will highlight his story. Let me tell you about a nightmare I had. Just had it once, but once was enough. In my nightmare, I was blind again. That was enough of a nightmare. Interesting, in my nightmare, I was blind, and, and I, I was, it was like I was reliving that day. I was with my blind beggar friend. We were talking about this one we had heard about. We were talking, sharing, praying. We began to feel and sense the crowd. We began to call out, Jesus. We began to call out. But in my nightmare, listen to me, in my nightmare, when the hands pushed me back, when the voices told me to be quiet, I sat down, fell back, and just meekly kept quiet and let him move on by. I woke up from that nightmare in a cold sweat because you can know the difference that would have made, right? Friends, Jesus is here. Jesus is here right now. You say you don't see him? Well, I don't either with these eyes anymore. I was there when he went. <laughs> I was there gathered with his followers, waiting and praying. He told us to wait and pray, and I was there when he showed up again, not in his physical body, but, but, but as he told, it was to our advantage because when he's in his physical body, he can only be at one place at one time. If he was with me, he couldn't be with you. If he was with you, he couldn't be with me. It was to our advantage because when he came again, he came as holy wind. He came as holy breath. He came as holy spirit. So he is wherever we are. The question is, we'll be where he is. <laughs> he's here. He's here. question is, will we let him pass by or will we join him? Have you ever, are you still the blind beggar? Are you? Are you? Have you not ever let him? Please, please. He's here. He came. That you might have sight for your blind to move from darkness into light. Please. You say you've done that? As I? Yes, great. Then please don't settle for just existing. Don't settle for just existing. Live out the full, wonderful calling for which he has called you. Live out the full body life that he has for you. Live out the full community life he has for you. Live out the family life he has. Join him in all that he's done. He's here. He's on the move. Don't let him pass you by. Please. Please. <laughs> Sometimes my former profession comes in handy. I beg you. Don't let him pass you by. Please. Don't let him pass you by. We don't know how long he had been blind. You look at the story as recorded in the scriptures, we don't know how long he had been blind. 
may have been blind from birth. We do not know for sure. There's some hints that might give us a hint that he became blind after birth. We do not know for sure. We don't know exactly what happened to him. Right after the healing, it just says this, he began to follow Jesus. And the curtain goes down. That's it. That's it. So everything I added after that is I imagine he might have. But it did say he started following. What's the very next thing that happened? Jesus found a, a treed tax collector. Spent a little time in Zacchaeus' house. What did he do after leaving Jericho and Zacchaeus' house? He went to Jerusalem for an entry into the city called the triumphant entry. Is it too big of a stretch of imagination to believe that maybe he was there? They stuck around to see him on the cross? That he stuck around to ask for spiritual healing from the risen Christ? We don't know for sure. It is interesting, of all the people that we find healings for in the scripture, this is one of the only cameo roles of folks have been healed that we know his name. John Mark gives us his name, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Where would John Mark have learned his name? I don't know. But you know where one of the places the early church met, don't you? In John Mark's home. Maybe, maybe John Mark met Bartimaeus and heard his story in the context of the church. I don't know. And the main point of this isn't what he did. The main point that God is wanting to uplift through Ephesians and through whatever other text God leads Joe to in this place isn't what he did. It's what we're going to do. We know this. He was a blind beggar. His only hope for deliverance, for freedom, was right there. And he thought he was going to do whatever he could to make sure Jesus didn't pass him by. He was passionate, determined. Too many times I live my life too passively. When I get angry, I don't get angry loudly. My wife will tell you I get passive aggressive. One thing I need to be passionate about, and I invite you to become passionate about, and remain passionate about, is not letting Jesus pass you. I asked Joe to pray for me. I say in text last night that I've kind of boiled down to a couple of different things. Kind of, this is what eventually bubbled to the surface. I'm not sure all the reasons why. I don't have to. But as you're in their second week in a new school, maybe it's a good time just to hear again the challenge. For such a time as this, redeem this time. You're going out handing out flyers today. Who knows what those rocks in the pond will do to make an eternal difference in some lives of people south of the track. But it won't be because you talk him into blessing you. 
it's that we wake up to the fact that we've been invited to get in on what he's up to, and therein lies the blessing. <laughs> he's on the move. It's not up to us to tell him where to go. Do we tell the wind where to go? Nebraskans, we try to. Holy wind. It's not our job to tell Jesus, present by his Holy Spirit, where to go and what to do. It is our privilege to accept his invitation to join him. Let's not let him pass us. Service will end today. As you, every week, right? You end it this way. So those of you that are regular here know what's coming. <sighs> I have a ring on my finger. Does that ring make me married? It what? Reminds me that I'm married. If that ring would make me married, I'd be in big trouble because the first wedding ring I got, I lost. within months of our wedding. My wife was very gracious, and we ordered another wedding ring. I was just as married without as I was with it. You're invited week by week to come and share in communion. Does communion and taking in this Lord's Supper, does that make you a covenant child of God? It's to be a reminder each time we take it of he who has come, of he who has come again, and he who has never left us by the presence of his spirit and the invitation to join us. So as you come and partake in just a little while, uh, I'll pray a blessing over this. Eric will be at one table, Joe at the other. Uh, one of the tables up here, there's three places this is being offered. There'll be brothers at two of them, Eric and Joe. If you want to go there, they will help get you served, and they'll be willing to pray with you, speak a word of Christ and encouragement to you. If you just feel prompted today that you just you just want to make this between you and he. Joe and Eric, they're not holy priests around here. There's only one holy priest around here. His name is Jesus. And so if you just want to come uh, and tear off a piece, dip, take, just between you and he. But as you do, it's not just a ceremony. It's a reminder. You know, the ring is precious to me because of the lady who is precious to me. This moment in sharing this communion can be precious, and it's meant to be precious, not because of the elements, but because of the person it reminds us of. So as we partake, let's not come cheaply, or as it tells us in Corinthians, let's not come thoughtlessly, or let's come with a determination before Christ, that we will not let him pass. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.